Show episode number 204 and a half. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is not with me right now. He is over on his side of Las Vegas working. We have just wrapped up watching UFC on ESPN Plus 3, UFC Prague, if you like, where Tiago Maheta Santos proved once again he is a legitimate contender at 205 pounds. Third round TKO finish of Jan Blachowicz, and he did it in spectacular fashion. Impressed, to say the least, by what Tiago Mojeta Santos did in there. You know, uh, it came out patient, and, and I think that's all right. I, I think that's a good thing. You know, it, it wasn't uh, explosive right from the start, but, you know, this is Tiago Mojeta Santos showing a, a little bit of maturity in my eyes and understanding that, uh, you know, listen, he can't be that complete berserker every time out. Yes, that's fearful and that's scary and that's what makes him incredibly dangerous, but he can't be that guy all the time, especially when you talk about facing these top-level talents and you're, and, and you're talking about doing it over the course of five rounds. So um, I liked the patient approach. You know, it wasn't a passive approach. Uh, yes, he was allowing Jan Blahovich to kind of move forward, but uh, I think he was trying to set up those counters, and that's that's ultimately how he won the fight. So uh, I like the approach, to be honest with you. Of course, it, we, we find out afterwards, and I did not know this going in, that um, Tiago was dealing not only with uh, a, a knee injury but also some sickness as well. Uh, Fernando Prachis was watching uh, the Brazilian broadcast down on Combate, and she relayed to us and the rest of the team that uh, you know he spoke in Portuguese and said that uh, he was sick. He was throwing up even in the locker room. So, um, you know, if you were if you were a little concerned at all by maybe what what you saw and you thought, um, you, you know, the 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 performance wasn't as spectacular as you might have liked, factor those things in. Factor those things in because he was definitely dealing with some issues. Not that all fighters are aren't dealing with something, but it's something to consider. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, that doesn't even really matter to me. I thought it was a smart game plan. Yes, he is dangerous. He is powerful, and that's always going to be what he's best at. Um, but when you start getting to these top tier of especially these light heavyweights, um, you, you've got to be cautious, and, you, and you've got to be a little bit careful in the way you approach things. And I thought he did that without being passive. So still dangerous at all times. Um, I, I thought Jan realized that he couldn't be crazy either, and that's why we got uh, you know kind of a measured approach from both men. Jan knew he couldn't just push forward crazy and try to uh, you know muscle um, Maheta out of the pocket or, or intimidate him. I mean, crazy to think that, that, that Maheta, I mean, to, to think that he made welterweight at one point, but now to even think that he made middleweight, I mean, he does not look undersized at 205 pounds. So impressed uh, overall. And then, of course, the finish got him with the check hook, right? <laughs> you know, check. No, Czech Republic. Right, got him with the hook. Got him with the big hook there as Jan Blahovich was moving in. And then the vicious finish on the floor just unleashed a, an absolute barrage of hammer fists on the floor. And uh, honestly, I, I thought the fight could, could have maybe even ended a little bit earlier. Uh, Herb Dean let the fight go on quite a bit. Jan got all the chances in the world to recover, and it just became clear that he was not going to. So uh, convincing win here for Tiago Mojeto Santos. And then, you know, had the plan ready. Had... had had the call out ready, everything that you can ask for to say, listen, I want my title shot next. I'm coming to Las Vegas next week for USC 235. I'm going to sit in and watch that fight, and uh, and I want the winner of it. And if it's John Jones, you know, he said if it's Anthony Smith, I'll beat him again. If it's John Jones, I'll beat him too. I mean, 
perfect. Even his his manager, who was acting as his translator as well, Alex Davis, couldn't help but smile a little bit uh, because he nailed it, man. I mean, that's it. You came in, you performed, you battled through the adversity, and then you got on the mic and you delivered the challenge. And uh, I, I like it, man. I just cannot praise Mahetha enough for his performance here. And listen, I don't hate the idea of him being the next title challenger for the win uh, for the winner of John Jones versus Anthony Smith. Um, it's, I get it, you know, maybe it seems a little soon, maybe it seems a little sudden, but this is not a guy that didn't accomplish things at middleweight, and now he's doing it at light heavyweight, and I think, you know, he's he's getting that momentum behind him, and I think when you get that momentum behind you, strike while the iron's hot, you know, from a UFC perspective, you know, you've got this string of wins, you've got this string of, of big victories, Go ahead and push him to the forefront now. Don't don't slow play it. So I, I honestly don't hate the idea of him being next. Now, it's funny because I pulled up the MMA Junkie rankings and wanted to kind of see where he was. Now, uh, gorgeous George Garcia from MMA Junkie Radio, he's the one that kind of oversees our rankings, basically. He's the one that handles the rankings on a weekly basis. And then we review them as editors, and if we see anything that uh, we think seems out of line, you know, we kind of we kind of jump in. But uh, – I don't know what the new rankings are going to be. We we update them uh, on Mondays, and then uh, and then we publish them on Tuesday. Now this is Saturday, right after the the fight is in the books. But right now, we have Tiago Mejeta Santos as an honorable mention. That means outside the top fifteen. Now, recall these are not UFC rankings. We do world rankings, so uh, we do have uh, Ryan Bader in there, Phil Davis in there, um, and Vadim Nemkov in there. So that's three. Bellator fighters that have basically displaced it now. So if you want to take those three Bellator fighters out, then you know we've got Tiago Mahetta Santos somewhere around 13, 14, or 15 in the world. So with that in mind, you know it may seem like a bit of a jump for him to get a title shot. Now I will tell you that Gorgeous George Garcia um, always stresses he doesn't like big moves. He likes kind of slow uh, moves, gradual in, gradual out. I think is the way he likes to, to say it. He doesn't like these huge jumps up the ladder. So you know I've got to imagine Maheta will move forward a little bit with this victory. Um, where exactly, you know, I'm trying to guess. Jan Blahovich, just for the record, was an honorable mention as well. So it's not as if he's beating a much higher-ranked opponent to get in there. So with that in mind, you know, is it wrong for him to potentially be next for the winner? I don't think so. I mean, uh, Alexander Gustin, of course, at, at number three, you know, he's he just lost. So he's not in the mix right now. Uh, Volkan Uzdemir, we've got at number five. Of course, he's got to win a fight with number nine, Dominic Reyes, in London. That's a big fight as well. That's on the uh, UFC on ESPN Plus 5 card. Of course, Volkan, it might be a little too soon for another shot. Dominic, maybe. Maybe. He just, I think he lost a little bit of momentum with that last one out. So, again, it's striking while the iron's hot. No disrespect to Dominic Reyes. I like Dominic a lot. He's looked great as well. And I think he's got a bright future in this division. But I feel like Mahetta's the name to go with right now. Uh, you know, Ovent St. Preux. He's got a fight coming up with Nikita Krilov, but that's not till April. This fight's gonna be long gone by then. That's 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 too much. Both those guys we have ranked as well, but uh, that's that's too soon. So um, I, I like the idea. By the way, if you go to our rankings and you want to see some behind the scenes, if you look at the picture of Tiago Mahetta Santos, it is actually Tiago. Uh, was it Monstro? Big Monster, the guy that fought for Bellator that was involved in the. Famous uh, nut-kicking incident with Eric Prindle. 
Uh, yeah, that's the guy. I don't know why. I can't figure it out. I, <laughs> the rankings database is pulling up uh, the wrong Tiago Santos, and I can't fix it. So apologies if you are Mejeta or you're a Mejeta fan that you have the wrong Tiago Santos back there. I can't get it fixed. It works on the fighter page, but I can't get it fixed in the rankings. So anyway, uh, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, let, let me know. I mean, uh, hit me up at MMA Junkie John is is my Twitter. Uh, I'd like to interact with people a little bit more. That like to like to listen to podcasts. I always enjoy hearing from people. So hit me up. What do you think? Is it the right is it the right move? Because I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I like the idea of striking while the iron is hot. You know, Alexander Rakic, another guy that's uh, making some waves and is, is moving up the charts. But again, I kind of have him in that same boat as Dominic Reyes, who's kind of that next tier. And I just believe when you take Tiago Mahetta's uh, body of work at 185 pounds, you add to it at 205 pounds, and you add as well the fact that, you know, this reminds me of the Anthony Johnson challenge. You know, that's that's what we wanted to see for John Jones, right? I mean, Anthony, Anthony Johnson was going to provide a, a different kind of test for John Jones. You know, the one-hit-a-quitter power, that big knockout, knockout capability. Um, and... I, I would like to see that. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to take away from Anthony Smith. I mean, by me saying John Jones, it's just that that's the man currently holding the belt. If it's Anthony Smith, it's Anthony Smith. I mean, the guy's a live underdog. I'm picking John Jones in that fight. You know, I know the, the picks aren't out yet, but I just don't know how you pick against John Jones. Uh, I, I think he's, you know, one of the greatest to ever do it, if not the greatest to ever do it. Um, and I think Anthony Smith is a live underdog who has incredible confidence, incredible self-belief, and I'm anxious for the fight. Um, but when I say John Jones, that's no disrespect at all to Anthony Smith. It's just that John Jones has the title right now. So uh, impressed with Mahetta. I like the idea of him being next. Uh, if he does come out to Vegas early in the week, which uh, hopefully he will, we'll make sure and get with him. Of course, his manager, Alex Davis, uh, is a good friend of ours at the Roadshow. The last time we saw Mahetta at the Performance Center, uh, he actually stood in as a grappling dummy. If you ever, We were doing kind of a, a test shoot for an instructional series, basically, and uh, Kahari Zapato, shoe face. Antonio Carlos Jr. was demonstrating a rear naked choke and his technique on the rear naked choke. And uh, Maheta was there, and, and he was kind enough to sit in as a grappling dummy. So he, we've got a good relationship with him, and uh, you know maybe we can follow up with him uh, this week in Las Vegas. So uh, anyway, let's, uh, let's stop hearing from me rambling on about it. Let's hear from the man himself. Here's uh, Tiago Maheta Santos speaking with the media backstage, including... Our own Simon Head, who was who was kicking off on the lead of all the uh, the press conferences today out there in Prague, so it was good to hear his voice out there. This is Tiago Mejeta Santos. Congratulations! That was a that was a pretty spectacular victory. You're right up there now in that two two hundred five pound division. How do you how do you assess that performance and what's your emotions after such a spectacular display? Bom, estou muito feliz. E agora eu olho para frente. Na minha frente eu só vejo uma disputa de cinturão. I'm really happy. I only know how to look forward, and in front of me, I see a title shot. I understand. Leading into that fight, you had uh, you had a bit of an injury. You were taking into that fight. I understand you had a problem problem with your knee uh, leading in. I wondered if you could shed any light on that and let us know just just how bad that was heading into the contest. É, é difícil, né? Tive uma lesão semana passada. Eu não estava conseguindo andar direito. É, eu fiquei a semana tratando do meu joelho, indo ao médico, fazendo fisioterapia. E bom, e eu decidi lutar, cara, entendeu? Eu consegui recuperar bem. Ainda me incomodou ainda, ainda tá me incomodando. Agora depois eu vou fazer uns exames, é, mas é, creio que não é nada grave. 
Yeah, I had an injury at the beginning of, of last week. It was really bothering me. I had to stop and, and do physical therapy on it. But I decided to fight. It's still bothering me, but I decided to fight and surpass it. And now I'll do the exams, and hopefully it's nothing serious. Taking on someone like Jan, Jan Blachowicz, he's, he's renowned for his durability. And in some of your previous fights, you've got them out of there very, very quickly. The fact that you're up against such a durable guy, you seemed a, a little bit more controlled, a little bit more uh, patient in your approach. Was that something that was because of the injury, or was it because more to do with the opponent and the fact that he'd gone the distance so many times in his career? Ah, cada luta é uma luta, né? E junto com meus treinadores, a gente achou melhor. A gente tinha uma estratégia. O Blakovic é um cara bem técnico, bem estrategista. E cada luta é uma luta. Essa não era a luta de eu, de eu fazer o que eu fiz na luta passada. E a gente, tá, a gente ganha experiência e cada vez vem aprimorando, vem melhorando. E eu agi é, como os treinadores falaram. É, e graças a Deus deu certo. Each fights a different fight. A me and my uh, training partners, we created a strategy. This wasn't a fight to go do what I did in the last fights. You know, as I get more experience, I get better at this. And I wanted to do, play a smart fight. Young's uh, a very tough guy. And I knew that it wasn't going to be that simple. Last one from me. You said you won a title shot. You're, I think you're tied for second most finishes now uh, in the light heavyweight division. Are we going to see another one if you get in there with John Jones? Como eu falei, cada luta é uma luta, mas é, com certeza eu vou buscar terminar a luta antes do, do antes do tempo normal, entendeu? Eu sempre busco acabar minhas lutas antes do tempo, mas é, cada luta é uma luta, mas com certeza essa luta vai acontecer e eu vou chocar o mundo. Each fight's a fight. We'll see when that happens. Um, but I tell you, this fight's going to happen, and I will shock the world. Do you feel like you have done enough to secure the next shot? Com certeza, com certeza. Não tem mais ninguém na, na minha frente. Eu venci o quarto do ranking. O terceiro está disputando o cinturão agora. O próximo sou eu. Of course, um, I beat the number four. Number three is fighting for the title. I, I, I get the next title shot. And uh, you said you will be going to Vegas to watch the Jones and Smith fight. How do you think that plays out? Bom, para mim o John Jones é o favorito, mas é, eu não me surpreenderia se o Smith vencesse a luta também. O Smith tem armas para vencer e se o John Jones subestimar o Smith, ele vai acabar se surpreendendo e perdendo a luta. Um, I think John Jones is the favorite, but Anthony Smith could win also, and especially if John Jones subestimates him, he could end up paying for it. If Jones was to, to hold on to the title, obviously that's a fresh matchup for you. How do you think you would fare against him? Como eu falei, eu vou chocar o mundo, de alguma forma. Com certeza não vou ser o favorito, com certeza vão achar que o John Jones vai me vencer, e eu vou chocar o mundo como eu venho chocando. Né? Eu estou aqui, eu estou nessa posição que eu estou, não é à toa. Entendeu? Então... Eu quero a minha chance, eu quero a minha oportunidade, eu fiz para merecer, eu conquistei isso. Eu quero a minha oportunidade, só me dê a minha oportunidade, eu vou chocar o mundo. It's like I said, I know that if I fight John Jones, he's going to be the favorite, but I've been shocking the world and I'll shock it again. All I want is my opportunity. And uh, last one for me, you mentioned obviously about an injury there. You have uh, an ice pack, is there, uh, I mean, you know, what kind of time frame are you looking at, at getting back in there? Is uh, there any injury that you're going to have to uh, take some time off for? Não, não, isso aqui é coisa da luta. É... 
Meu joelho também já não está mais incomodando tanto. E isso aqui no pé é coisa da luta, normal. Quando eu estou ali em cima, eu chuto tudo. O Blakovic bloqueou alguns chutes meus. E eu chuto que ele botar na frente, canela, joelho. Então é, 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 é normal isso aqui. Daqui dois dias eu já estou bem. Não, o ice on the foot é parte do fight. Quando eu kick, eu kick anything que está em frente. Se hits a knee, a head ou an elbow, it sometimes gets a little bit hurting my knees. But hopefully, it's not nothing, anything serious either. So I'll be good pretty soon. All right. There he is, Maheta, potentially a light heavyweight title challenger. The co main event Stefan Struve defeats Marcus Rogério de Lima with a second round submission via arm triangle choke. What a crazy fight this was. Uh, Marcos came out and the first punch he threw landed the overhand right, knocked Stefan Struve to the canvas, uh, gets on top and just proceeds to sit on top of Stefan Struve for the entire first round. 10-8 uh, on a couple of the cards. Struve survived, um, but was not looking good. Uh, you know, once again, the big tall guy couldn't stop the, the shorter opponent from coming in and landing something big and, and, and knocking him to the floor. And, uh, you know, seemed like it was going to be another rough result for Stephen Struve, but he kept moving, he kept turning, he, he lasted uh, through, the, through the first round, and then he came out in the second, and it was a completely different story. He was able to get the fight to the floor once there. He, he stepped over uh, the half guard and then into mount with, with pretty – Pretty much ease, to be honest with you. You know, the the initial step over into the the half guard was incredible because it's like he, I mean, his legs are so long. He basically just stepped over and passed passed one leg, and then as he was working on freeing the other leg to step the mount, he was able to set up the arm triangle choke, uh, and then once it was in place, got the squeeze and got the tap pretty quickly. Um, you know, Stefan Struve always a, an underrated submission game. This is actually I, I picked Stefan Struve, and to be honest with you, um, not that I saw being this dramatic. Uh, but I, I did see it going this way. I thought Struve was going to get hurt, uh, and then he was going to win the fight on the ground. Um, I just didn't know it was going to be so dramatic that he was going to be so hurt that he was going to lose the entire round, uh, and then it was going to be a complete reversal of fortunes in the second round. So um, pretty amazing result for Stefan Struve. I saw a stat out there that uh, I, I believe he becomes the first fighter to ever win a fight uh, in the second round or later without throwing one significant strike. So <laughs> I don't know if that's a good stat or a bad stat, you know, if you're, if you're getting to the second round of a fight and you don't have any significant strikes thrown. Um, but I thought it was cool. And then, of course, afterwards, Stefan Struve uh, somewhat hesitantly said that I think this is going to be the end. Um, I think this is going to, to be it for me. Uh, took off his gloves, uh, laid them down in the cage, and uh, said, listen, I think this will be a good time. And then um, as things went on, as he, as he came to the back and spoke in the press conference, as he went on the post-fight show, as he continued to do uh, post-fight media, I think it became more and more certain um, that, that he felt comfortable with it. You know, I, I can't imagine, you know, what, he, he's a young guy. You know, he's still uh, just 31 years old. Crazy. Just turned 31 at that. And... You know, here he is hanging it up, and and I'm sure that that's difficult to do. I mean, this is uh, this is how he pays his bills. Having the money come in is good. Um, the glory, the 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 spotlight, that's that's hard to give up. The attention, it's hard to walk away from. You know, the, the fighters will tell you that moment, that that feel you get. It's it's something special. So, uh, but it sounds like Struve is going to stick to his guns. And you know what? Kudos to him, man. Uh, look, it's easy to pick on Stefan Struve. 
despite the fact that he's you know seven feet tall, he never really seemed to to use his body type exactly to his advantage. Um, instead, you know, it, it, he was always allowed these kind of smaller opponents to to crowd him and to move past his reach, and you know, never really use the jab the way you would you would have liked to him to, or or the front kicks that sort of thing. Just just never really seemed to be able to ever master utilizing his body type the way you'd hope for him to do it. So an easy guy to pick on. But, man, you know, you saw it, I think, from Dan Hardy. You saw it from Rashad Evans if you were watching the broadcast. And, and, I'll, and I'll echo that, man. Stefan is just one of the nicest guys, open, honest, um, that you'll ever meet, man. I'm just a good dude to talk to. You know, one of my favorite Stefan Strew stories I, I, it was uh, one time when I believe he was a guest fighter. If I remember right, we were in Stockholm, and I think he was a guest fighter there. Um, and on the connection home, he was flying back to Amsterdam. I was just connecting through Amsterdam. And I ended up on the plane right next to him, um, across the aisle from him, to be honest. And, and uh, as as he sat down to see him, I mean, we're just in coach, right? I mean, it's just a tiny little regional jet or whatever. And he's sitting in coach, and his legs are, are propped up. I mean, the only way he can sit down is to basically lift his feet up to where they're on the back of the armrest in front of them. Now, not where they're protruding forward so much that they're going to bother the person in front of them, but just sitting there like a praying mantis folded up in this chair. And, you know, I remember just talking to him and saying, man, don't you don't you ask for a first-class seat? I mean, you know, I'm sure everybody would love a first-class seat, but, I mean, you're seven feet tall. I can't – shouldn't the UFC book you a first-class seat? And he's like, ah, nah, man, you know, it's not a big deal. I'll take – well, that's just the guy he was. You know, never wanted to be a bother to anybody. Always, you know, just very polite and uh, and, and, and fun to deal with. And, um, you know, I, I remember, I, you know, years and years and years ago, I mean, we've been covering him for a decade now, and, and him saying that, you know, I'm going to get – 50 fights in the UFC. That's my goal. 50 fights in the UFC. And he was a kid at the time. He thought, man, you know, this might be possible. This 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 could actually happen. And uh, of course, he had these these health issues along the way, um, these heart issues that, to be honest, I'm surprised didn't end his career before now. And you know, he always kept kind of a a, a good face about it. But even today, if if you you know caught some of his post fight media. Um, you know, he said, look, I wasn't supposed to be here, man. I'm not supposed to be doing this. You know, that my condition I'm in, um, I felt like I was already beating the odds. And, and it sounds like he was ready to walk away for quite a while. But unfortunately, he lost three fights in a row before this. Um, and it sounds to me, if you kind of read between the lines, that basically he was just waiting to win a fight. And it didn't matter where. It didn't matter when. It didn't matter who. He just wanted to win a fight and and walk out on a victory and, and it sounds to me that even though it was hard for him to admit it in the cage um that this was something he'd been considering for, for quite a while um but then of course he lost to Volkov he lost Arlovsky he lost to Tubora um and this was the first time he could win so um kudos to him man you know kudos to him for walking away hopefully we we still see him around because like I said he's a, he's a great guy to deal with and um man I, I guess you would say a career cut short but you know, hopefully he banks some money. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy to, uh, you know, roll into a club and make it rain or whatever. That just never struck me as that kind of guy. So I don't know much about how he handled his finances outside of the cage, but uh, hopefully he left himself in good position. And, uh, you know, listen, this this sport is it's a difficult one, man. It's not easy on the body and it's not easy on the mind. And that's what he said too. You know, I, I won't miss that feeling, those nerves. Like I will not miss that, man. It is scary. 
this is a this thing is a, a mental torture to these athletes, men and women. Man, I always say it, and 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 it's so true. And I and I I think people realize it, but sometimes we forget. But I mean, any of these men and women, if something went down in a bar on a on a you know on a on a on a snap, and just they needed to respond, man, they'd clear everybody out, no problem. But there's something about signing that contract and knowing that date. And knowing that it's you know in a cage in front of a bunch of people and all, I mean, just everybody gets nerves, everybody gets worked up about it. So um, he's saying he won't miss that, and he said especially you know it was, it was the thought of his heart, and I'm sure he was always concerned about his physical well-being. So uh, kudos to Stefan Struve for getting the win that he wanted and walking away. And uh, here's what he had to say backstage afterwards. Stefan, ten years and two days since you first set foot in the UFC octagon, forty career fights under your belt. You've chosen. Now is the time to, to put your gloves down in the octagon and, and uh, retire from the sport. What are the, what are the overriding emotions now you've, you've made that big decision? I'm, I'm happy I never have to feel that tension again before the fight. And that only got worse after knowing about my heart. You know, it was very hard to come back. Um, but I'm not someone who shies away from a challenge. Um, yeah, I, I thought about it a lot. Of course, you know, I first started thinking about retiring when the, the situation with the heart came came up and um, but I didn't want to at that point I really didn't want to although um, it, of course it, it was an option for of course, especially in the very beginning when we didn't know exactly what was going on um, then uh, I, I made my comeback and got on a streak again fought Alexander Volkov in um, in Rotterdam and um, Stipe was the champ at that point you know so and I'm one of the few guys who's got a, a great win over him and um, my thoughts were, if, if I knock him out too and rather them, then maybe the shot comes. You know, I always wanted to fight for the UFC title. And before I, I signed with the UFC, I believed I was going to be a champion. Unfortunately, I didn't get to do that, but I had a great career anyway. So only, only happiness. So. Was this a decision that you, you kept just to yourself or was it something you discussed with friends and family beforehand? I discussed it the last couple of years a couple of times with my coaches and uh, friends and uh, talked about it, but um, like everybody, I want to end it on a good note, end it with a win. And uh, unfortunately, after getting on a streak, I ended on a losing streak, and um, it just didn't feel right, and now it does. So, Onto that, onto that victory, and uh, you know, you've, you've picked up a, a slew of submission wins during your career. You know, you've, you've uh, made, made that a reputation of yours. You know, you finish people by submission, which is kind of rare in the UFC heavyweight division. Um, how fitting is it that you go out not just on a win, but on a sub as well? Well, not, not only a sub, but, you know, facing adversity in the first round. I didn't know what hit me. I hit the ground and I had a big Brazilian, Brazilian on me trying to knock me out. Uh, I didn't know what happened. Just stayed calm. I felt him getting tired, and I knew the second round was going to be mine. So I knew that the opportunity for the submission would come, and it did. So. And what's next for Stefan Struve? A whole life with lots of opportunity outside of fighting, which I can fully focus on right now. And, um, yeah, just going to be successful with something else, successful and happy. So. All the best to you. Thank you. Stefan, obviously you've mentioned about, the, uh, about your health issues mm -hmm. and about your heart. Um, has that condition changed in any way? Um, what is the update with, with your health at the moment? Um, I'm great. It's doing great. Um, but I, I, 
to be, you know, if you look at it, I shouldn't be fighting the best athletes in the world when this is found. Uh, normally, uh, it's found in, when, uh, when when people are very young. You know, you go to a doctor and they hear a murmur and then you have it checked out and then you're on medication for your whole life and you're told you shouldn't do anything dangerous or whatever because, you know, you, you got a heart disease. So um, they didn't find, find it in me uh, until I was 24, 25. I can rem remember the exact age but um you know at that point i didn't want to retire it wasn't it wasn't ready everything is great uh, i get checked up every every six months and uh, that's enough to see how it's uh, progressing now that i don't have to train as a pro, pro uh, professional athlete anymore i'm always going to be training but now i'm going to be able to focus even more on keeping that hard and healthy and uh, i think it's only going to be good for it so and what will you do as a retired MMA fighter, will you, will you, do you still want to stay working somehow within the sport? Yeah, I would love to um, stay attached to the UFC in some way. Uh, I've been with them for 10 years. Um, I had a great career with them. But we'll see, you know, I'm, I'm going to teach for sure. I got so much knowledge to share. MMA is still very fresh in Holland. Uh, I think there's a lot of growth to be done. And uh, it'd be awesome if I can have a, a part of that. And uh, just last one from me, mm. uh, any special moments that kind of stick out to you, you know, throughout your MMA career? Well, tonight, <laughs> um, my whole career, I've had great, great fights, in my opinion, you know, I don't want to talk about my career like that, but like, I made my debut against Junior Dos Santos, then my second fight, I had an absolute war with the whole cage being red with my blood. Um, you know, I fought one of the best heavyweights of all time, Steve Miocic, of course. I got to fight two times uh, in Rotterdam, a diverse defense the UFC ever had in Holland. Um, even after coming back, I fought my way back to main eventing the UFC. You know, I fought two main events for the UFC. Uh, I don't know even how many co-main events. Um, fought all over the world. Um, yeah, I'm proud of it. So let's have a look, a quick look through your uh, last four fights. You had mm -hmm. three losses and now the win and the win uh, for the you know finish of your career. Mm -hmm. Do you treat it as an icing on the cake or it would be no change to the decision if you lose this fight? Well, I, I wanted to end it on a, on, a, on a good note. You know, you never really want to go out on a loss because it's going to stick with you, that feeling of losing. I hate losing. I love winning. I'm going to miss winning. Uh, but um, for the rest, you know, going, going very deep in training camps and then the week of the fight, um, mentally it's, it's, it's been um, tougher uh, than before I knew uh, about the heart and all that. During training, I can easily shrug it off. But during fight week, the question a lot, a lot of times comes up in my head, um, man, what am I doing? But I think a lot of people have that. Uh, I think it's just a good, good time to, to call it. So. And let's focus on the fashion that you've win, won today. Mm -hmm. uh, if you could pick the fashion you could win, uh, would it be a submission or would you like to um, win in a, another fashion? If I could change anything today, it would be like the first five seconds where I got, almost got knocked out. <laughs> but for the rest, you know, it's also fitting for my career because I faced adversity a lot of times. But um, yeah, no, I'm very happy with the win. I, I hadn't won by arm triangle yet. And uh, it's another uh, submission that to my resume. So. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, the main card continued on with Michael Oleksiak picking up a knockout win over John Vellante. The body shot. Dropping John Vellante in just 94 seconds. 
not, I mean, what do you say here? Uh, it looked like it was going to be a fun scrap. I, I thought we were going to be in for a, a, a back-and-forth affair that, that, that you're used to with John Vellante. He looked like the bigger guy in there. Uh, but Alexis just found the button, man. You, you, you land it to the liver just right. And uh, you can see John try to battle through it, but it wasn't to be dropped down to a knee covered up and that was that so a little bit of an anticlimactic uh finish to that fight because i thought it was going to be a, a kind of a back and forth kind of scrap but uh kudos to alexia Juk for picking up the win liz Carmouche got the decision win over lucia pulova man what a what a scene this was uh you know talking to the staff that was there in the building they said it was just absolute pandemonium in there i think it came through on the on the broadcast, I thought it, it you know the, the the volume in there was was pretty impressive, and of course you heard uh, Liz Carmouche after her victory, uh, basically saying she couldn't hear anything. I don't think she could hear uh, Dan Hardy's questions, so she could hardly respond to anything. But uh, impressive impressive win for her. Uh, listen, I, I thought this was the right score. Um, I thought twenty nine twenty eight was the right score. Uh, Lucia uh, Pulova is a, is a fun fighter. Um, I, I realize probably not the uh, most famous fighter on the UFC roster, but she's been in some battles. I mean, the Arena Aldana fight knew that was going to be a fun fight. It definitely was. Uh, she's been there with Gian Kim, Lena Landsberg, uh, Sarah Morris as well. So, I mean, she's been in some fun fights, and I thought she made this fight fun too. I mean, you could see the scrappiness that she has. You could see um, just her willingness, her gameness to fight. Unfortunately, she doesn't always have the, the best technique. You know, she's uh, she's busy, but she's not necessarily landing a lot. And I think Liz Carmouche understood that. Even though she was facing a taller foe, she said, you know, I, I don't have to deal with all that. I'll just stay and wait and present my opportunities. That's a dangerous game because you're waiting. And, and even if the, the opponent is kind of swinging at air, at least they're swinging. And I think judges reward that when they see fighters moving forward, when they see fighters being offensive. You know, I, I think they reward that. And so Liz Carmouche played kind of a dangerous game, but it was the right game to play. I mean, she was not going to, I don't think, win necessarily in a firefight. You know, the range was going to be difficult. Um, and, you know, she was facing basically a bigger opponent. So I thought Liz Carmouche fought well. Um, I thought she did enough to win. I think her technique on the ground was definitely better. Um, she did make a couple of mistakes here and there, allowing uh, Lucia to uh, recover and to escape from positions. And again, just kudos to her gameness, kudos to her craftiness. Um, but I, you know, I, I thought this was the right decision. I know Pulova was was very very upset at the decision, and I know the crowd certainly didn't like it either. But hey, that was their that was their only hometown fighter, right? And and uh, I think. Even the people that were there on the ground said, listen, even they were surprised how much support this girl received because she's not a superstar, but she was the local talent. She got the superstar treatment tonight. So cool for her. Looked just nervous as can be uh, on the way to the cage. I don't know if she actually was. She's, she's always got kind of this timid look to her when she comes in. Or you're like, oh, gosh, what's going on? And then she just unleashes once once she gets going. But um, anyway, a, a gritty, gritty win for, for Liz Carmouche. Um, a veteran of the game, you know, I think it was uh, Simon Head who pointed out on the anniversary of her debut, so pretty cool stuff. Uh, Peter Yan picked up the decision win over John Dotson, 30-27 on all three cards. Um, great performance by Yan, really was. Dotson looked a little bit out of sorts. Um, I, I, I don't know what it was. You know, it was interesting because it looked as if uh, John Dotson only had one cornerman with him, and, and 
not that that's completely abnormal. I mean, it, it could have been something that popped up, could have been looking to save money on costs. That's fine. But if you caught the post-fight show on ESPN Plus, Rashad Evans actually um, kind of mentioned some things about, uh, you know, he hoped Dotson was okay and that sometimes his emotions are, are, are difficult to deal with. So I don't know if something was being alluded to there, but, um, you know, Dotson just appeared a little bit out of sorts for me. Now, I don't want to take away anything from Peter Jan. I picked Jan going into this fight, and I think Jan is, I mean, he's the real deal. He's the fast-rising contender, and the guy looks incredible. His speed is there. His power is there. His technique is there. Um, everything is there uh, for Peter Jan. I just, um, I don't know. Dodson just didn't respond the way that I thought he might. I thought this was a good fight that I, that I believed could have been a better fight. I mean, there were there were moments, but... You know, Dodson was complaining to the referee about a number of occasions. You know, the first round, you know, he had he had Peter down and and let him up basically because he complained of the foot placement on the cup and he said there was a kick there and, and maybe there was. I hadn't had a chance to go back and watch a replay, but um, I, you know, I I, uh, I don't know, man. You had a dominant position and you essentially let the guy get up because you were complaining. And, and uh, you know, not keeping the attack going. And, and who knows, that could have been a big momentum shifter. You know, what if what if he'd been able to keep that position? What if he'd been able to get on top? You know, it didn't look like that, that the rest of the fight certainly didn't play out that way. But who knows how things would have changed. And then there were, you know, some other complaints later on. So, listen, I'm not criticizing John Dotson, man, a veteran of the sport that's been around. He's a fun guy, man. Dotson's always great to talk to. Um, but it did seem like there were some frustrations there uh, during the fight for sure. And uh, we'll see where he goes there. Meanwhile, Peter Yan afterwards um, called out uh, Jimmy Rivera. Says he'd like to fight Jimmy Rivera next. He said he's, he'd, he'd like to do it in the, in the United States as well. You know, wants to get over to the States so a bigger audience can pay attention to what he's doing. Um, and listen, if you're not on this bandwagon already, um, I, I, I think you should be. <laughs> I think you should be, man. I think this is somebody to, to definitely keep an eye on. Uh, uh, Magomed and Kalayev kicked off the main card with a decision win over the late replacement in Clinton Abreu. Magomed and Kalayev, he's just a tough, gritty dude, man. He really is. And, you know, I don't want to say should be undefeated. Remember, his only loss was that loss to Paul Craig where he was winning the whole fight. I mean, the whole fight. And then Paul Craig got that triangle choke with one second left in the fight. One of the greatest finishes, greatest comebacks you'll ever see. Were it not for that, Ankalaev would still be undefeated. Um, I, I think he is, uh, you know, a, a, another tough, tough guy and, uh, and and someone to watch. And he basically just uh, tore through Clinton Abreu here. Dwight Grant with a TKO win over Carlo Pedersali Jr. The uh, the highlight finish, right? The the mouthpiece flying out. I mean, brutal stuff there. Pedersali afterwards uh, complained about it. And said that listen, he 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 didn't think it was a, a fair stoppage. But I gotta say, from my point of view, I didn't have an issue with it. Uh, you know, watching the replays immediately after, I I, I don't, I, I think it was a devastating shot, and I don't think he was all there immediately after. And um, you know, again, we were kind of talking about the other night uh, with you know Cain Velasquez not really remembering you know being hurt. That's the the weird thing about this game is you you don't remember being hurt. Um, you don't. It's not like you could say, yeah, I remember being knocked out, and then, uh, you know, and then, then that's when I came to, and then it was bad. You know, you you don't. That's what happens. Your body shuts down. Your brain shuts down. Uh, so you don't 
remember that. So, you know, certainly don't fault a guy for, for feeling that way. Um, anyway, Grant was, by the way, the, the last. There was no fight of the night uh, bonus given. There were four performance of the night bonuses. Dwight Grant was the last of them. Uh, the other three were in the top three fights. Maheta, Struve, and Alexichuk. So, uh, big win for Dwight Grant. <laughs> big finish, catching an extra 50 Gs. And uh, as you can imagine, he was he was excited after the win. It was a pretty spectacular way to score your first win in the UFC. Talk to us about the emotion of uh, picking up that first W. Oh, it was uh, it was pretty awesome. Uh, I had a whole bunch of time from the, from the octagon to here to think about it, and I still can't articulate it. Uh, I think to its full uh, passion, my full passion. Uh, it was something that I've been dreaming about for a long time. Uh, even before I had this opponent, I just just kind of win traveling across the world and. Uh, Having a win like that, having my friends support me on the way there, it's like, it's like a movie, you know? You, you, you can't ask for a bit of movie. This is like a blood sport or something. It's amazing. And fighting uh, Carlo, uh, Carlo Pedasoli, he's, he's thrown a lot of kicks in his career. He uses his kicks an awful lot, and it was it was one of those kicks that you, you timed absolutely perfectly to score the TKO. Yeah. Is that something that you prepared for going into this one to actually counter those kicks? Yes, 100%. Like, uh, well, it was funny because once I saw him fight, and I saw him throw a kick, I was like, oh, okay, this is an opportunity here. And uh, I actually had another counter available that I did in the fight, but it, did, it hit him, but it didn't put him down. So when that happened, I was like, wow, like he has a better chin than I thought, I'm gonna have to like really go in. I gave him a little too much time, I took too many kicks, uh, letting him uh, get comfortable. I should've just blocked him, but I saw that he was getting very, very confident, and he was like moving his head and saying things, and I knew that the time was gonna come. Having had the UFC debut and it's not quite going your way, yeah. did you feel a little bit more pressure on yourself coming into this one? No, uh, actually, I just felt very upset. Like I was, <laughs> I was pretty angry after the last fight. Like, after that last fight, from the moment I got out the octagon, uh, I wanted to fight again. I, you saw I tried to fight in New York uh, a little while ago. I was ready to fight the moment I landed back in San Jose. So this, to me, uh, was something that had to happen this particular way. For me to feel somewhat satisfied, I'm still not satisfied. I'm still upset and I want more fights to prove that you know I belong here. That's the most important thing to me right now. Finding so far out, so far away out of your uh, homeland, uh, was it a pro or con of your today's performance? Oh, that's that's a that's a good question. Um, I don't think I don't think in any way it was a con because uh, for me anywhere that I fight is good <laughs> as long as I can, as long as I can get there and, and fight is good. I think that um having all that time on the plane to think about what I'm going to do and then being worried about going back with a loss. You don't want to take a long plane ride back home after a loss. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> it is bad. So that's more motivation to win, if anything. And in terms of the finish, you know, it's as late as you get in a round, you know, 4.59. Um, in terms of the finish yourself, did you think that that fight should be stopped at that point? Or do you think that maybe you'd have been headed into the second round? I didn't even know the time. To be honest, I didn't even know the bell, the bell ring. Like, I don't, I don't know what happened. I, I just know that uh, when I knocked him down, he was out. When he hit the ground, I almost didn't follow up. I was like, oh, this is over. But then I said, wait a minute, because I've done that before, and then things didn't work out. So I followed up, and then I felt him start going limp again. And then I was like, okay, they stopped it, and it was done. I was surprised to hear there was any kind of confusion. Then when I saw the replay for it, I was like, there's no way that this is, a, this is a, any confusion. But I respect the guy's heart, not even to be condescending or anything like that. Honestly, I respect his heart. I respect the fact that he wanted to continue to fight like any true fighter would. And for that, I commend him. Yeah. So what's next for you, ideally? When do you, when do you want to get back in there? And you know, how many more times do, should we expect to see you in 2019? How many more times? As much as humanly possible. Like, I like to fight. Like, it sounds kind of crass to say I like to fight, but you know, I do. I enjoy this. I'm a martial artist. I've been martial artist my entire life. 
Uh, it's something that I think about all the time. I'm always trying to make it better. And the only way I can get better is by facing the best guys in the world and being forced to improve. If I just sit around thinking I'm good, it means nothing unless I can prove it here in Octagon. All right, so Dwight Grant with the extra $50,000 in his pocket. Uh, the, the prelims I thought were interesting, to be honest with you. I, I, you know, we, we kind of said going in this, the quality of what started this card, you know, the records that were on display were, were pretty impressive that we weren't sure how those first couple fights would go. And then it looked like there were a couple that could be fun. And it kind of played out that way, but, but I did enjoy it. Chris Fishgold picked up uh, the submission win over Daniel Tamer. Fishgold looked every bit the prospect that he's been promised to be, the Cage Warriors product. Um, I, I thought he looked phenomenal here, a lot of aggression. Um, you know, dealt with the, the, the point deduction from Daniel Tamer early with, with, with the fence grab and then just continued to uh, not only be willing to engage on the feet, but, you know, very dominant on the ground as well. Uh, just a great submission win there for Chris Fishgold. Uh, you could see the emotion with him afterwards. And meanwhile, Daniel Tamer, I mean, man, this guy, I, I, I believe Daniel Tamer's got something, man. I think he's fun. Uh, I think he's got some talent. Uh, but he has had a hard road so far in the UFC uh, has not been matched up uh, with any gimmies along the way uh, and, and has, has not been able to get results. So, um, you know, definitely a, a strike-first kind of fighter that, that is exciting. And so because of that, you know, I think, you know, maybe you give him another crack, uh, especially if you've got, you know, some of these European shows. Uh, but Daniel Tamer has got his back against the wall uh, in his next outing, no question about it. Meanwhile, Fr Chris Fishgold looks like somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, somebody else to keep an eye on, Jillian Robertson. I am a uh, – I, I am a, a, a big fan of Jillian Robertson as well, man. She is such a a uh, single-minded, I guess, kind of approach person. You know, she's uh, she's she wants to grapple, and that's it. And she's great at it, man. She's incredibly fun to watch. She's incredibly aggressive, um, and you know, getting outstruck by Veronica Macedo the entire time. Uh, the, the statistics that were being shown were, were crazy. Uh, very, very one-sided, but Jillian Robertson was always looking to grapple, always advancing, always, you know, looking for attempts, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, eventually the, the the submission that she got, the rear naked choke after, you know, working on other submissions and just this beautiful transition, very, very quick in her moves, uh, just very, very impressive to me. I, I like watching Jillian Robertson fight. She's got a passion to her, uh, the savage. I mean, I think she lives up to that nickname. And uh, kind of a throwback to me. I like somebody that's that sold on, on basically just grappling and is, is relentless at it. So uh, I enjoy watching her fight. This was a big win for her over Veronica Macedo. Uh, Demir Hadjevic picked up a, a win over Marco Polo Reyes. Uh, Hadjevic, a guy that's very, very dangerous when he's on point. And, you know, we thought kind of coming into this that this could be a scrap. Um, but, but Polo Reyes... Uh, you know, found out that you don't really want to be in a back-and-forth battle with Demir Hadjovic. So, uh, Polo Ray is always coming to scrap. You know you're going to get a good fight. But Hadjovic was just too much, and he picked up the second-round win via TKO. Uh, Ismail Nardiev defeat Michelle Prezeris. And I got to say, I liked Ismail Nardiev, man. He made an impression on me. Uh, Austrian newcomer. The Austrian wonder boy he goes by. Uh, but I was impressed, man. This guy, young kid. Uh, has got the total package, man. He he, he can strike. Uh, he certainly, you know, is a big, tall guy for the weight class. Of course, Michelle Prezeris is a, is a really short, squatty guy for the weight class. Um, so that probably, you know, made it look even uh, more so. But uh, I like the frame on Ishmael, and then I, I like the game, man. He showed inc inc impressive uh, defensive wrestling, impressive scrambling abilities as well. So, uh, and then capitalizing on the feet. But, I mean, showed very, very well-rounded game. Michelle Prezeris is, is not – 
the 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 most exciting fighter in the UFC. He's just not. Um, his game is is one about control. It's about power. Uh, it, it's about you know kind of stuffing you up against the cage. But he couldn't do that. And eventually, Michelle Brazeres got exhausted. Now remember, Ishmael Nardiev is the one that came in on short notice. Not Brazeres. Brazeres knew what was coming, and yet he was uh, absolutely controlled by Nardiev. So um, I, I, that is a name for me that I definitely want to keep an eye on. I, I thought he looked phenomenal in his debut. He looks polished, um, and I think he's somebody you want to keep an eye on. So if you didn't get a chance to see that, it's at least worth watching him just to, to check out that that name. Uh, a more familiar name, or a pair of more familiar names, Diego Fajera uh, picking up the decision win over Houston Kabilov as well. Houston, I'm talking Portuguese. Houston Kabilov. Um, I thought this was a great performance as well. Kabilov, again, in a lot of ways, kind of like Prezeris. Kabilov, a bit more dynamic. I'm not trying to say that he's boring, but a, a very grappling, controlling-based uh, type of offense and really just was not able to do that to Diego Ferreira. Diego looked great, man. I thought this might have been one of the best performances of Diego's career. Of course, he's based in Texas. He's Brazilian. He lives in Texas, though. Uh, he does train. Uh, with the with the crew out at Fortis MMA, obviously our good friends there in in my hometown of Dallas, Texas. He doesn't live there full time, uh, but he commutes back and forth. Uh, and, and of course, the Fortis MMA team does corner him uh, at his fights. But I thought uh, Diego looked phenomenal, man. The striking was there, but his defensive wrestling was there. His jujitsu was there. Uh, he was able to counter some some moves along the way. I just I thought overall it was a very very phenomenal performance. And I think Diego just a good guy. Another guy that's just a good guy when you spend time around him. Uh, you know, makes it clear he's doing this for his, his family and, and nothing more. And, you know, recently brought his kid from Brazil to live with him in Texas. And uh, just a good dude, man. I thought this was a great performance. Habilov is a, is, a, is a tough fighter to look good against, man. I mean, and I think that's – you know, when you get these decision wins, everybody wants finishes, of course. We all want finishes. But when you get these decision wins – um, against tough guys like this, and you look impressive in there, it might not jump off the page to you just reading over the, the sheet if you're just looking at a quick results. But when you go back and you look at the performances, um, both both of these two decisions were phenomenal performances, I thought. Uh, and then the night started out with Demir Ishmagulov picking up a win over Yoel Alvarez. Uh, Ishmagulov looked good here. I, I think he's got something. I do. Um, I... I um, I think he's got something, man. I really do. I'm impressed with his game, and that's another name I want to keep an eye on. Another one of these tough guys from that region over there that's got some skills. But uh, I will say, I, I just did not understand what Alvarez was doing in there. Uh, no disrespect. I'm, I'm, I'm not one to talk trash. Um, you know, anybody that steps in there in that cage, they're doing more, and they've accomplished more um, than I ever will, man. They, they, they've accomplished their dream in getting there. But um, I just didn't understand what was going on there. He looked too relaxed to me, too, too content. Uh, to deal with what was going on, you know, and, and I just, I didn't get it. I didn't see any adjustments. I didn't see uh, a, a plan B, and, and I get it. You know, he was, a, um, you know, he's making his debut, and, you know, he was uh, a relatively short notice as well. Um, I don't know. I just, I, hopefully we'll see more of him in a second, because here I saw a guy that was just happy to be there and, and that wasn't making adjustments, and it just really didn't seem to have a plan B. So, uh, anyway. Listen, I, I thought this was a good card. You know, it wasn't stocked full of big names, but I thought we ended up with some interesting results and, of course, you know, some real title implications in that in that top that top fight, man. Tiago Mejeta Santos just continues to prove that, that he's the real deal at 205. And, you know, hey, maybe all this weight-cutting stuff, maybe, maybe people are really starting to see uh, there's a trend, you know, that moving up is it can can be 
very, very good for you. You know, not just okay. It can be very, very good. Um, it was a sellout. Big numbers posted in the Czech Republic, so good for the UFC. It was the first time they were there. Uh, another good market for them. Uh, and I think it was it was qualified as the uh, as as the biggest um, the biggest MMA event gate wise in Czech Republic history, and it was the biggest single day sporting event gate uh, in that arena's history. So uh, big stuff there. By the way, I did reach out to uh, Dana White to see if I could get a comment. He wasn't there, um, but but tried to get a, a comment for him uh, if he thought Mahetta was be next, but. In much the same way that he always tells us at the, uh, he always tells us at the press conferences that hey we don't match, uh, match make fights on the night but you know we'll get together in our meetings and all that you know basically uh, I, I got no response <laughs> so that's the way to that's the way to blow me off is uh, he's just like ah come on man you know I'm not gonna tell you that so uh, we'll see we'll see how it all plays out I'm sure it'll be a point of discussion uh, this week at USC 235 uh, speaking of USC 235. I'm working on some things now. Um, it looks like our our fine friends at Nimarov Vodka are uh, are back in the mix for USC 235. So may have some tickets to give away for the show. So uh, stay tuned to that. I'll figure out what we can do. We'll, we'll definitely do something on social media, um, whether it be uh, at MMA Junkie John on Twitter. Uh, I did uh, change Instagram. It's John Morgan MMA on Instagram as well. So make sure you're following those. Maybe we'll give away. Tickets on both. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure out something. I got. I'm, I'm, I. I feel like Instagram's growing, so I feel like I need to do more over there. I feel like people are enjoying that more. You know, it's, maybe it's just because it's pictures and whatever. But I feel like people are enjoying this. I like Instagram more. I think. I'm trying to stay away from the negativity on on Twitter. I see sometimes and the snarkiness and all that good stuff. But anyway, long story short, stay tuned. We may have some tickets for USC 235, which is going to be a Great show. Uh, Cold Coffee, of course, will be with me in Vegas covering uh, USC 235. We've got a busy week next week. It starts on uh, Monday. We've got the NSAC meeting where uh, Dylan Dennis will finally get his uh, suspension, I guess. We'll close the door on on USC 229. Um, There's a a Tyron Woodley and Ben Askren media lunch out in Los Angeles that same day. Uh, Dave Mandel will be out there for us, so we'll have coverage of that. one championship is doing some media uh, in in Los Angeles and then uh, in Las Vegas as well. Rich Franklin, Misha Tate, Eddie Alvarez, Demetrius Johnson will all be at Extreme Couture here in Las Vegas on Thursday night. So we'll do that after the open workout. So I mean, it's just a ton of stuff going on in addition to you know all the the full week of USC 235 stuff. So we will certainly have you all covered there. And uh, yeah, I should say if you like what you're hearing, do us a favor, go to iTunes. Leave us a review. Be happy that I, I, I finally stepped my game up with it, and I have. I'm getting back in this. We're going to do this. Even if it's by myself, I feel bad because I know you want to hear the, the stylish rumblings of, of cold coffee. I wish I could bring on Simon Head, who did great in the prelim, uh, the, the, the full episode this week in the preview, but he's grinding away over there in Prague. So I'm stuck doing it myself. Hopefully it's okay with you guys. So. Uh, Leave us some feedback if you can. Rate us, review us, all that. And uh, for everybody else, thanks for listening.